Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. before him the Lord says draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double minded mourn, weep, be miserable let your laughter be turned into mourning your joy into gloom pour the anointing of God out upon all of us God so that we can be a pleasing people Wow. 
specifically about them raise your hand up specifically about them be honest glory to God as we sing this next song together I'd like those people to open the curtains so we have more room down here please like those of you that feel you need to come and commit your life to Jesus as Lord, possibly for the first time in your life. Those of you who have not been living a right life before God. You've had bitterness in your heart. You've had sin on your hands. And God wants you to come to the fountain and wash it clean. In true repentance, true faith, and true holiness. Come to a holy God and become a holy people. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that falls among the thorns stands for those who hear as they go on their way. They are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who bear the word, who hear the word, and who retain it, and by persevering, Produce a crop. The secret of the fourth soil is how you can be extremely productive in Jesus. 
the first principle of the fourth soil, to be patient in suffering. They wait on Jesus. They press in. They praise him. Thorns do not choke out these noble and good-hearted people, these people who have a beautiful heart. They are patient, suffering. The most difficult part of the journey so far in my life has been to wait on God. to wait on God and to finally bring me to a place where I would be willing to wait on God, I broke my leg, my hip. I ended up sitting on the couch. It's been almost maybe more than nine months ago waiting on God. Well, Pastor, shouldn't you be out doing the work of the gospel? The first work of the gospel is to wait upon the Lord. The human heart is incapable of doing the work of the gospel. The Lord said to me, I can do more in one day than you can do in your entire lifetime. I thought much about that. I prayed about it. But I didn't wait. I continued reaching out and doing what I felt I needed to do to accomplish the work of the gospel. While you wait, you often will wait in suffering. Don't cast off the importance, the vital importance of suffering in the kingdom of God. There are just some things we can't learn without being humbled in suffering. Suffering is an amazing gift he gives to us to bring us to a place of awakeness. He wakes us up with suffering. Now, I don't understand this. I don't like suffering. But it is the final work of God in our hearts to try to get our attention, take our attention, take our attention away from the worries, the responsibilities, the riches, the pleasures in our life that cause us to never grow up into Jesus. 
hardest part of my life has been to grow up in Jesus. I've been very full of myself and what I thought would bring success. And I've made some very serious time blunders that have slowed me down considerably from growing up into Jesus. I used to be quite concerned about what other people would say, what they would think. That's no longer true. It doesn't matter to me anymore what judgments are made against me if I am waiting upon Jesus and my eyes are fully upon his face. I have been rejected by brothers, by friends. I've been scorned by successful pastors. I don't care. I have written off all indicators of success in the work of the gospel in this world. The churches that I'm aware of, they built massive facilities in this area, northern Virginia. They packed the places out. Is that success? I don't think so. When I look at the lives of the people who are in those massive churches, I don't see a righteous people. I see a people who are filled with all the actions of good Americans. They're on their way. They have no passion in their heart for Jesus. Passion in your heart for Jesus only comes by obedience to the call of the Holy Spirit. It only comes as we are willing to endure the suffering of this age. Now, I don't like the word endure. It has the connotation of a painful waiting. It's interesting to me, though, that in Luke 8th chapter, it says, Good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Noble connotates a joyful heart. Noble connotates a steady heart, not flippant, not going here and there, not lusting after everything that comes around that looks pleasurable. No, noble is a heart that stands in joyful endurance. 
knowing that the work it is intended to accomplish is being done in my heart. I woke up quite miserable this morning. Breakfast. A very difficult beginning. But in all of that, I've had a joyful heart today. I know the Lord is moving in my life with power. I know I'm directly under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And that brings me great courage because I'm not I'm not left on my own. I'm walking by faith. And he has given me a beautiful heart. Not an angry, not a bitter, not a complaining heart, but an upright heart. I know this only comes through suffering. I want to walk with you today in the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, that our hearts are sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let's walk through this just for a moment. Because we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have heard that he has washed our sins away. Because we have heard that our lawless acts are no longer remembered by God. We have clean slate because we have repented of our wicked hearts. We have confidence then to enter the most holy place. You know, the tabernacle had the tent of meeting, and then inside was the altar of burnt offering. And the altar of burnt offering is where the sacrifice was laid. Jesus Christ was laid on that altar of burnt offering. He was crucified for us. He died for us. As you leave the altar of burnt offering 
and you move toward the tent of meeting. Come to what is called the laver. The laver is where we are washed by the word of God. The laver is where it's a mirrored surface so we can see truly who we are. In other words, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for our sins, we know that our sins have now been forgiven. We then move toward the heart of God, the risen Christ, and we're washed in the laver. Your heart is washed. What's it washed of? You no longer have an interest in the entertainment of the world. You no longer lust after the movies. Movies filled with violence or lust. You no longer are interested in the parties. You're no longer interested in going to the strip club or the gambling house. You're no longer interested in the professional sports. You know they were just a distraction to keep you from the from the person of Jesus can't have them both. When you have been to that altar of burnt offering, you have been crucified with Christ. And those things of the world and the flesh and the devil have been washed away from you. You're no longer an alcoholic. You're no longer addicted to pills. You're no longer addicted to drugs. All of that was laid down when you laid your life down with Jesus at the altar of burnt offering. And you come now and you're washed and made clean. Now as you begin to understand the cleanness. You make your way with new clothing, beautiful white linen. You make your way toward the tent of meeting. And when you enter the tent of meeting, on the right-hand side are the loaves of bread. You have now laid your life down for God. You are God's food. On the left-hand side is the candelabra, the Holy Spirit light that now fills your heart and your soul. And as you enjoy the, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit as he comes and 
orders your steps and directs your path and gives you light on which direction you should go as you wait upon the Lord. You don't go to the internet and say, okay, what's the best choice I should make? You don't call friends and say, oh, what should I do? You go to the Holy Spirit. And you wait patiently on the Holy Spirit to answer you and tell you what he wants you to do. Now, after you've waited on the Holy Spirit, after you have eaten the broken body of Jesus from that table of showbread, you look up and there, right in front of you, is the altar of incense. And now you can pray. And you can cry out to God. And those those prayers ascend in the incense of God. And he hears you. And as you pray and grow and mature, you see in front of you a curtain torn from top to bottom. This was the the dividing line between the holy and the most holy compartment of the earthly sanctuary. You know that in that compartment there is the law of God. But you're not under the law. You're under the Holy Spirit. There is a mercy seat between you and the law. I love that. Oh yes, you're still called to be righteous, but now you're called to be righteous because the law of God has been written on your heart. There are some of you who still think the law is hidden in the Ark of the Covenant. It's not. You're no longer under that law. You're under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. And the Shekinah glory of Jesus is present with you. And our place of dwelling as Christians is above the Ark of the Covenant. with the law of God no longer written on the stone tablets inside the ark, the law of God is now written on your heart. Now, you may say to me, Pastor, where is the endurance in this? Oh, at every step. This is a step-by-step process that God outlines for us in the Old Covenant that has to be translated into the New Covenant. We draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings to our hearts, now sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That happened 
at the altar of burnt offering. Our bodies were washed with the pure water at the laver. These things take time. This is not, think about it today, it's done, I'm finished. No, it's a walk of faith where I'm maturing slowly into Jesus. I'm sprinkled so I no longer carry a guilty conscience. I'm washed with pure water at the laver. I cling to Jesus Christ as he takes me into his tent with the banner over me, love. And with that banner over me, love, he feeds me on the loaves of bread and he fills me the Holy Spirit. Now, with all of that process going on, he says, now, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting. Don't give up walking together with God's people in the tent of meeting where you feast on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, most churches in modern America have no broken body of Jesus. There's nothing to feast on. It's worldly stuff. It's strategies for success. It's orthodoxy. It's, it's legalism. It's, it's not the joy and the life that I find as I eagerly press on, eating the body of Christ, drinking his blood, pressing on through in the fullness of the Holy Spirit until finally I enter into that most holy compartment through the, the broken body of Jesus. And I enter that broken body of Jesus. It's the curtain that separates the two. I go into that holy of holies where I become one with Jesus. The sins are washed away. The guilty conscience no longer troubles me. I now walk without any known sin in my heart because I've been scrubbed clean at the laver. And because I come now hungry for the broken body of Jesus, here's the whole table of showbread laid out for me. Each loaf representing one of the tribes of Israel. Now they all represent the broken body of Jesus. And so I come into that wonderful place where I am feasting on the body of Christ and I am being filled and washed and the Holy Spirit is moving in my life. Till finally I come into his place 
and I discover what the waiting was all about. It was about becoming one with Jesus and being filled by his Holy Spirit and every desire of my heart being taken care of by the feasting on the broken body of Jesus. Now, don't withhold yourself from walking with people who are in that process. You may not be in a church where they're walking in this process, then leave. Don't kid yourself that you can watch on television or you can watch on the internet, and that is sufficient. It is not. You have deceived yourself. Go to a living body of Christ. Go to a people who who understand this process I've just described and who are in the process of being transformed into fully the likeness of Jesus, who are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't deceive yourself and think you can just be with yourself and your computer or television. Because this is a process where as we wait on God, we talk with one another and we urge one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, this is not a solitary journey. This is a journey with the people of God. And if you're with a worldly people, you will never receive this spurring on toward love and good deeds. Or you might be spurred on toward humanism, but that's not the good deeds being spoken of here, and it's not the righteousness that is evident in the life of a Christian. You have cheated yourself if you think you can just sit outside. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching. We're going to need each other. You're going to need me, and I'm going to need you. That's true already. I'm very grateful for those of you who see that need for the gospel to go forward, and you send your tithes and offerings. It's been very slow the last two weeks. I've been saying, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I thank you, Joanne and others, Dirk, Thank you for your giving heart. And we come to verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. In other words, if you've understood what I've shared with you today, and you continue to walk in fornication, you continue to walk in sexual sin, 
You continue to sin in lust for money. If you continue to walk in the lust for the world, the flesh, and the devil, then what happened at the altar of burnt offering is canceled in your life. And now you should expect only the judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You are an enemy of God if you continue to walk in known sin. You walk unclean by what you watch, by what you do, then you have lost out on the kingdom of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who's treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant, that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. This is Hebrews, the 10th chapter. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He writes, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in great conflict full of sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecutions. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. God has promised me Wonderful gifts, if I will just endure and not grow angry at the suffering, not grow impatient with the suffering. The suffering usually has to do with physical hurt, disease, or the physical, or the suffering has to do with the scorn of friends, of husband, of wife. It has to do with with being unrighteous, choosing to compromise, choosing to go places and do things that you know Jesus would not be pleased with. 
and it causes suffering when you cut it off. Part of the problem that I'm struggling with right now is I try to talk to people about those things that are evil in their hearts. They don't want to hear it. I'm oppressing them. I'm being unfair. No, I'm not. Everything of this world, the flesh and the devil, has to be taken out of our hearts. And that happens at the labor, where we are finally washed clean of all known sin. The sacrifice was made at the altar burnt offering by Jesus. The blood was sprinkled on us. And now we are to be dressed in clean and white linen. According to Revelation, those are the righteous acts of the saints. And so as we then leave the laver, which is halfway between the altar of burnt offering and the tent of meeting, and we enter that tent of meeting, the first thing that happens there is we are given the bread, the broken body of Jesus, to feast on. And the light of the candelabra, the light of the Holy Spirit begins to penetrate our hearts. And we begin to pray like we've never prayed before, crying out to God, being taught by the Holy Spirit how to pray. We don't sit like bumps on a log. We reach out joyfully because we're filled with the Spirit of the living God. Then we enter. And all that we've passed through remains ours. We remain clean. Hebrews is saying, if you don't remain clean, You are trampling on the blood of Jesus and you are being unfaithful. He says in verse 38, this is Hebrews 10.38, but my righteous one will live by faith. The righteous one who has walked through this process He says, and I take no pleasure in the ones who shrink back. The ones who go back to the same old, same old. Simply delaying. Moving forward. Being filled with Jesus. He says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. That's where this ends up. With Jesus being filled by his presence. He's with us through the whole journey. But it is a journey. First John, the first chapter tells me that if I sin and I repent, I'm forgiven. 
And the process goes on. You will be washed. And you will be made clean. Now I know that what I have shared with you today out of Luke 7 and Hebrews, the 10th chapter, is very unlike anything you will hear preached in the American church. But it is the gospel of Jesus according to the book of Hebrews. If you are not attending a church currently, or if the church you are attending is not one of righteousness, Ask Jesus where he wants you to go. What he wants you to do. Because I can tell you, he will not be satisfied with you watching something on the television or the internet. That is not where the help in living a godly life can be found. You need to be with other men and women who are sharing their experiences who are living out what God has called us to live out, each at a different place in the living out of that disciplined walk with Jesus. But regardless of where you are in that process, make sure you're in a body of Christ that is serious and righteous, where what they want is to be made whole What they want is to be made holy. Where the showers of sanctification are freely falling. You will make this journey successfully if you do not turn back and you don't grow discouraged. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to meet you. Come and join us. How far would you drive for something in this world? Something of the flesh and the devil. You won't drive to find a place with Jesus. He's calling you. I also want to say thank you, thank you, thank you right now we're at about two thousand dollars toward radio for this month. We have quite a ways to go. I stand by faith that you treasure this teaching that you don't hear it anywhere else and that you will respond with hilarious giving for the gospel work. Thank you. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come thanking you today for this incredible fourth miracle of godliness, being made whole. Lord, I come lifting up your name over every person who's listening to this broadcast. Lord, please come.
Please come and meet with us today. Please move in the hearts of the people who are listening. Lord, some of those people are suffering. Physically. And they're crying out to you as I am and asking for total healing and restoration. This is the year of restoration. And we're coming and asking now for that gift of this year in the restoration of our families, our bodies, our minds, our hearts. We're asking for your presence, Jesus. We're asking for your guidance, for the courage to make this journey, not to short-circuit the journey with our own sin and our own wicked hearts, but, Lord, to wash and make us clean, to deal with us all the way to the bottom. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to play for you again this song. Mr. Producer, you're welcome just to close out with this song, depending on your time. That just about means all of us, doesn't it? My eyes are dry. My eyes are dry. Faith is old. My faith is old. Heart is hard. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold.
to you and dead to me. double-minded mourn weep be miserable let your laughter return in the morning your joy in the gloom pour the anointing of God out upon all of us God so that we can be a pleasing people 